Well, today is part five of our series called The Path, where we've been taking a look at the wisdom that's found in the Old Testament book of Proverbs. That actual word path, Solomon uses that 29 different times in the 31 chapters. And it's really indicative of what he's trying to get across here, that the path that you take is either going to make you a wise person or it's going to make you a fool. That's the path. Now, the way we've been saying it throughout this series, sort of our big thought for the series, hopefully by now you've got it memorized. Why don't you all say it together with me here today? And it's this, that my direction, not my intentions, determines my destination. Let's say it again. My direction, not my intentions, determines my destination. Right. And the illustration I've been using with you throughout this whole series for this, and hopefully by now you've even got this memorized because, again, I want it to be something that you really grasp the concept, is Interstate 81. That if you get on 81 North, I don't care what your intentions are. That, oh, I want to end up at the beach. I want to end up down in the south somewhere. I don't care. You are not going to get there. No matter how much your intentions were, no matter what your hopes, your dreams, your goals were, 81 North is always going to end at a very predictable destination, the town of Orleans. Orleans, New York, 81. That's it. It's done. And that makes so much sense when it comes to driving on a road. But when it comes to our lives, we forget so often that there's a path that we're on in our marriage. There's a path that we're on with our finances. There's a path that you're on in your relationships, in your parenting, in your health. Every single thing in life, there's a path that you're on. And so we got to be careful about that path because, again, the path that you're on is going to lead to a very, very predictable destination. Now, today what I want to do is I want to take that big thought and I want to add a couple extra words to it. So if you're taking notes here today, here's what I have for you. That what captures my attention determines my direction, which determines my destination. Say that again. What captures my attention determines my direction, which determines my destination. If this whole series has been the principle of the path, then what we have here is what we may call the principle of focus. And in the same way I've been using 81 as an illustration with an automobile to help you to understand the principle of the path, I want to use an illustration from an automobile to help you to understand this principle of focus. Did you know that 15% of all car accidents, 14% of all major injuries that are in car accidents, and 8% of all deaths as a result of a car accident are because somebody was texting and driving? Now think about this whole thing, this whole principle of focus and this, this thought that I've given you for the day. What has happened? Well, somebody's driving down the road and their eyes are focused on the road. They're paying attention to the road. They, they know where they're headed. But then all of a sudden, a text message comes in, and their eyes, their focus, their attention goes from off the road to down here. My attention determines then my direction. And what is the direction that you're going to go? You're going to go off-road. You're going to end up in a ditch. You're going to end up hitting a tree. You're going to end up hitting a barrier. You're going to end up hitting another vehicle. And then that determines then your destination. That you're going to end up at the auto repair shop. You're going to end up in the hospital. You're going to end up in the morgue. Again, my attention, 
What I focus on determines the direction I head, and the direction I head then determines the destination where I end up at. Now Solomon, he understood this 3,000 years ago. This isn't new information. Here's what Solomon writes about this in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 25 to 27. He writes, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet and you will stay on solid ground. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. In other words, be careful what you give your attention to because what you give your attention to is going to influence the direction that you head in. Now be clear, this isn't always a bad thing. That when something captures your attention, that's not always bad. In the fall of 1992, you know what captured my attention? A pair of legs walking by the store that I was working in. <laughs> captured my attention. That pair of legs belonged to a young girl by the name of Lisa. And as I got to know Lisa more and more, she more and more captured my attention. And guess what that did? It changed the direction of my life because it was through Lisa and her family and her church that I became a Christian, a follower of Jesus. Now, it was about six years after that, Lisa and I had already been married for four years at that point, that what captured my attention was a scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. I was sitting there in my home office doing my devotions in the morning, and this scripture just captured and captivated me. It says this, so fix your eyes not on what is seen, but on things that are unseen. For what is seen is only temporary. What's unseen is eternal. And that scripture so captured my attention, it changed the direction of my life from that of a young, successful businessman to now I was on the path to becoming a pastor. And then it was a couple years after I became a pastor that what captured my attention and what captivated me was a, a pastor out in Chicago, Illinois, and he talked about the church in a way I never heard the church talked about before. He said, I want you to imagine a church where people gather together, not just on Sundays, but people are gathered together all week long in their homes and they're eating together and they're having fun together. They're fellowshipping together. They're praying with one another. They're holding one another accountable. They're sharing their, their possessions and goods with one another. And he says, but it doesn't stop there. He said, imagine a, a church where every single person that comes is so in love with the Word of God that it motivates every single thing that they do in life. He said, I want you to imagine a church where people didn't just gather together on Sunday mornings and in their homes, but they actually went out into the community and they showed the community that you matter to God and you matter to me as well. He said, imagine a church where the, the community itself was so captivated by what that church was doing that the people were in awe. The people in the community were in such awe that they were like, I need to be a part of that. And every single day, people were coming into a relationship with Jesus. He said, I want you to imagine a worship experience for people that people would come to. And it's not just about hearing some sermons and singing a couple songs, but it's actually a celebration of what God has been doing in our midst all week long. And as he shared that, that sort of vision of what a church could be, that captivated my heart, that got my attention. And it changed the direction for every church that I've ever pastored since. So again, 
having your, your, your attention captured, that can be a very, very good thing. But the opposite is true though as well, isn't it? That sometimes things are going to grab your attention and they're going to pull you off into a direction that you never wanted to go. I'm sure if I gave all of you just a couple minutes, you could easily come up with five or ten different times in your life where your attention, your focus got diverted. And then the next thing you knew, you're like, how in the world did I end up here? I didn't want to be here. But it's because something had grabbed your attention and it took you off track. These, these times of, of you know, getting off track like that, of having our attention grabbed away from us, it's those people we wish we'd have never met. Those calls we wish we'd have never answered. The business opportunity we wish we'd have never responded to. It's that website that you wish you would have never have visited. It's jobs you wish you would have never taken. Purchases you wish you would have never made. Because what grabbed your attention took you off track in ways you couldn't have possibly imagined. Here's what I guarantee you. When that first happened, when, when something first grabbed your attention like that, here was the mental conversation you had with yourself. You were sort of walking along. You were on the right track. You were doing good. Then you're like, oh, what's that? That looks pretty. That looks nice. That looks like something I need right now. No, 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 no. I, I, I got I to gotta keep my eyes over here. I got to keep focused on the way I need to. But it does look so, so nice. I mean, no, 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 no. Keep, keep, keep. Keep focused, keep focused, keep going down the right path. You... Well, you know, it probably wouldn't hurt if I just took a couple steps down this way. And the next thing you knew, you were further and further and further down that path. And you got to a place that you never wanted to be. So all of us have these things that they capture our attention. These things that grab our attention. Our common sense oftentimes is telling us, and the Holy Spirit is telling us, no, 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 don't do that. But yet your heart and your emotions led you off astray. And I don't want you to discount that word that I just used there, emotions. Because emotions play such a huge part in what captures our attention, what grabs our attention. You know, advertisers, they're masters at this, aren't they? Every advertisement is trying to grab your attention. And often the way they're doing it is they're trying to play with your emotions. All of a sudden, they've grabbed your emotions, and now you're buying something you really didn't need to buy with money that you don't have to impress people you don't even really know. So we've got to be very, very careful about this whole thing. What we're allowing to, to captivate us. What we're allowing to grab our attention. Now, if you haven't noticed, I've been using those two verbs a lot in front of the word attention. Capture and grab. One is positive. One is negative. What captivates us, what captures our attention, that's often a good thing but then something that grabs your attention 
that's a bad thing. Now, I'm going to give you two more verbs that we can put in front of that word attention. But before we get to that, I want to give you another principle. Because we've been talking about the principle of the path. We've been looking at the principle of focus. This is the principle of choice. Here's how I put it on your outline. I get to choose what I give my attention to. You and I get to choose what we give our attention to, what we're going to do with our time. You're not an animal. You know, animals, they, they have these animal instincts that they just do what God has programmed them to do. A spider doesn't have to be taught how to spin webs. It just knows that, well, this is what I do. A bear doesn't have to be told, hey, you should probably hibernate. No, it just does it. Birds, they don't have to be told to fly south for the winter. They just do it. Why? Because, again, they're programmed that way. But you and I haven't been programmed that way. God has given you free will. God's given you free choice. You can make your own decisions. And so when it comes to what you are, are giving your attention to, what's capturing your attention, what is, what is grabbing your attention, there's two other things that we can do. See, you can choose what you give your attention to, and you can choose what you pay attention to. Now, let me summarize all four of those things in just sort of one sentence for you. Here it is. It's on your outline. My emotions fuel what captures and grabs my attention, while intentionality fuels what I pay and give attention to. I'm going to read that again because I need you to really grasp this. My emotions. Remember what I said? Like, a lot of times you're making decisions based on your emotions. So, my emotions fuel what captures my attention and what grabs my attention while intentionality fuels what I pay and give attention to. On the path to disaster, your emotions are going to be grabbed. But on the path to a successful life, it's going to be because you've chosen what you're paying attention to and who or what you're giving your attention to. Look again at what Proverbs 4.25-27 says. We read this earlier. Solomon says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet and you will stay on solid ground. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. So here's my question today. What has your attention? What has your attention right now? Is it your relationships? Is it your kids' activities? Is it money? Is it your faith? Is it an opportunity that you have? A goal that you're trying to go after? What, what has your attention right now? Because something has your attention. Something has your attention. What is it? The thing is, is it taking you where you want it to go? Because another reminder here that what captures your attention, what grabs your attention, what you choose to pay attention to, what you give your attention to is going to determine the direction of your life. And the direction of your life, the direction you go determines your destination that you're going to end up at. So here's the second question then. What is it or who is it that you want to have your attention? Right now, all of us had an answer for something has my attention right now. But is that who or what you want it to be. 
In other words, if you can only fix your eyes on the one thing right now, Solomon says, fix your eyes. Stay on the path. Don't stray. Don't sidetrack from side to side. If there was one path, one choice right now, what would you choose? What would it be? Now, if you don't mind, let me make a suggestion to you. And this is actually based off of a couple scriptures here of, of something that you may want to consider of this is what my attention should be on. Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 to 15 writes this, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. All of us who are mature should think in this same way. And then the writer of the book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this, we must give our full attention to the truth that we have been told so that we don't do what? So that we don't drift away. You know, I'll stop right there for a second. Over this past year, through this whole pandemic, some of you have felt like your faith has sort of drifted away, that you've gotten off track, and you're like, I'm not even sure how I got here. How did I get to this place? Well, how you got to that place is because of this principle of focus. That what you focus on is going to determine your direction, and your direction is going to determine your destination. And so then just 10 chapters later, the author here of Hebrews gives the solution of, okay, what should we do? Where should we be fixing our eyes? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, he or she writes, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. You see how all these scriptures and all the points I'm making are sort of tying together here today? That we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to fix our eyes on the path that we can't get sidetracked. We can't let our hearts and our emotions captivate and, and capture our, our attention by things that are anything less than Jesus. Now we've always got to focus on Him and Him alone. Because as we learned a couple weeks ago, if you'll seek God first, His kingdom and His righteousness, then all the other things will be given to you as well. In other words, when Jesus isn't the focus of your life, when He isn't number one, you're going to get sidetracked. You're going to get off track. You're going to end up in places you don't want to be. So we, we might call this the principle of priority. That when you put other people or you put other things or other activities before Jesus, then you're headed to a very predictable destination. A path of ruin. A path of destruction. But, if you'll put your eyes on Jesus, if you give Him the top priority, if you'll put Him number one in your life, if you'll always fix your eyes on Him, then He says, hey, here's the good news, guys. You can have your cake and eat it too. You can have all those things that you wanted. But you got to keep your eyes on Me. you got to keep focused on the path. Go the way that I would have you to go. Seek Me first, My kingdom, My righteousness. Then all the other things will be given to you along the journey as you're going. But as long as you keep putting other things or other people before Jesus, then again, it's a very predictable destination. And you're going to get off track and it's going to hurt you. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, or next week, or even next year. But it will happen. Why? Because the path that you are on will lead to a very predictable destination. Again, it makes so much sense when we talk about 81 North. 
hoping that you're grasping this, that the same principle applies to your life. And so we have got to be careful what we're focused on because that's going to determine our direction and then our destination. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but imagine what it was like to be one of the original 500 eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. You had heard Jesus, you know, talking about, I'm God, and, you know, I can forgive sin, and you can kill me, and I'll come back to life. And you're like, yeah, right, dude. But then it happened. And you're like, whoa, he really is God. He really can forgive sin. He really is the the way to eternal life. And so now you want to share that good news with as many people as you possibly can, because you've seen them. So you're like, man, I'm going to tell my neighbors, I'm going to tell my friends, my, my coworkers, I'm going to tell everybody about this. Basically, what you're doing as one of these 500 eyewitnesses is you're starting a brand new religion in the very town where he was just killed a couple weeks or a couple months before. Imagine how hard that is. Because the people that killed him, they're still there. They're not happy about this whole thing. And so you believe it, though. I mean, you, you saw him. You, you know, some of them, they, they touched him. And so you're telling the good news, but persecution began uh, is starting to come. And I'm sure in the midst of that, you know, the, the believers, they were encouraging one another that we need to continue on with this. We know what we saw with our own eyes. We, we've got to continue on here. We can't stop. And so they're giving words of instruction and encouragement to one another and Somebody decides to write a song about the whole thing, about this whole, this whole path that Jesus was on and the, the, the journey that he had taken. And it was meant to be a song to, to inspire the people. And we're not sure who wrote this song, if it was just some random you know, person, one of the 500 eyewitnesses, or if it was Paul himself. But Paul ultimately ends up quoting this song in the letter that he wrote to the church in Philippi. Here's what we read in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 11. Again, this was actually a song. Jesus was God, but he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the highest place of honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul's point was simply this. No matter what path you have chosen to walk in life, at the final destination, every single person will bow their knee to Jesus. And every tongue is going to confess that He is Lord. Whether your final destination is heaven, whether your final destination is hell, all of us will bow the knee to Him. And this principle of choice that I've been talking about is you and I get to choose which path we're going to take and where we will ultimately end up. 
Remember what Solomon said a couple weeks ago to us as we were going through the series? He said, when you're going down the path, if you see danger, you go, whoa, 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 whoa. I need to take some precautions here. I need to, to make some course corrections. I, I need to, to go a different route. But the fool, the fool keeps right on going. Here's the danger that I see. And this isn't just the danger that I'm talking about people of the world. This is the danger I see in many churches, our church included. The danger is this. Many people have their eyes focused on something or someone other than Jesus. If your eyes are focused on someone or something other than Jesus, if He is not your top priority, then one day you are going to bow your knee in a destination you never wanted to end up at. The good news of Christianity is that Jesus Himself, God in the flesh, died in your place in forgiveness of your sin so that you could have eternal life with Him forever. But that's your choice. Again, you're not an animal. God didn't make you a little robot that, oh, Jesus, I love you. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to serve you. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to obey you and everything. You have a choice. What path are you going to walk? The path of righteousness? The path towards heaven? Or are you going to choose your own path? Go your own way? Again, what I'm here to say is that's going to lead to a very, very predictable destination. A place you don't want to be. Here's how Jesus Himself said it in John chapter 14, verse 6. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. He says, I'm the way. What would be another way to use or say the word way? I am the, I'm the path. Jesus says, I am the path. And no one comes to the Father except through Me. So we have got to keep our eyes focused on Him and Him alone. Follow Him everywhere He goes. Follow His footsteps. If He goes left, we go left. If He goes right, you go right. If He takes you to a place that you're like, I don't even know if I want to go there. He says, trust Me. Trust Me. I know better than what you know. I will never lead you to a place that you shouldn't be. So we've got to fix our eyes on Him. And as I said, it's your choice. It's your choice. I'll conclude today with a very famous Scripture. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Where Joshua writes this. Choose this day whom you will serve. That's the choice you have to make. Pray with me. Father, thank You for Again, the, the wisdom that you gave to Solomon and that Solomon then was able to pass along to us. Father, as we've again looked at, at your word here, and we've looked about this whole thing of, of focus and what we're paying attention to, what we're giving our attention to. Lord, help us to make the right choice. Help us to fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Help us not to stray to the left or to the right. 
but to stay exactly where it is that You would have for us to be. Lord, You, you want us to walk the, the path of, of righteousness. And, and we know that path based on we know that path based on on what it is that, that You've modeled for us. And so Jesus, help us to dig into Your Word and, and be inspired by Your Word and be inspired by Your life and say, alright, what would Jesus do here? How did, how did Jesus handle this situation? And then we would just follow in your footsteps. And then we wouldn't be focused on the, the things of the world, you know, family and money and careers and, and, and all, the other, all the other things that we so often chase after. Those things are important. But Jesus said, you said that if we'll seek you first, then we can have all those other things as well. So Lord, I just pray that we would have our priorities straight. That we would be seeking You with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Keeping our eyes on You every day and in every single way. Lord, help all of us to make that decision so that the ultimate destination that we end up, that when we bow the knee to You, that we're there in heaven with You. And we're doing it as an act of, of worship. And Lord, even people in hell, it's going to be an act of worship, but it's also going to be an act of sorrow. That, oh man, it's too late for me. I was given the opportunity and I blew it. And I ended up in a very, very predictable destination. And, and Lord, we know many people though have understood that. In that moment, they're going to understand all the times they rejected You. All the times that there was a fork in the road and it was, do I do it God's way or do I do it my way? Do I do it Satan's way? Do I do it the world's way? And they're going to realize in that moment that every single time they chose the wrong path. Lord, help us again choose Your way because You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. Jesus, thank You that You did that for me so many years ago. You did that for many people that are here in the room and those that are watching online. Lord, if there's anybody that hasn't yet made that decision, I pray that right now they would just do that. Ask for Your forgiveness. Ask for Your leadership and say, it's not about me anymore. But from now on, it's all about You. The old me is dead. The new me with the Spirit of God in me is going to obey You in every single way every single day. Thank you, Jesus, for all that. We pray it in your name. Amen.